selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. So I think if you would have asked me, you know, a few years ago if I loved myself, of course I would have said yes. And I think that I did, but I think it was a toxic love that, you know, I think you can love yourself in a toxic way. And then you become almost like a predator, right? Like you you, you out here lurking and seeking something to fill, fill this void. Saying yes to pleasure, but pleasure yes. in all forms. Yes. Why was that transformative, helpful? For me, you know, a lot of the men I was dating were not black. And for a really long time, it was important for me to have a black partner. How many people did you have in rotation at your highest point? <laughs> a lot. Um, at one point, maybe like eight or nine. And you know I'm going to ask like what? <laughs> oh, shoot, do I want to put this out there? Let me think. Um, <laughs> um, hmm. Oh boy, do I want to say this? If right now in your life, you are sick and tired of being realistic and small, practical, humble, then Nina Parker's story is going to be right on time for you. And we are going to get into it, all of it, right after this. Lovers and friends, Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end, I say. Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to the podcast named the same damn thing I just said, lovers and friends, where we talk about sex, love, relationships, attachments, intimacy. My name is Sham Boudram. I am a certified intimacy expert. And that feels crazy to say right now that I'm an expert in anything because I genuinely feel this present time in my life like a novice, like a beginner. I'm just really struggling to figure things out and just struggling in general. And you have heard me talk about this since January. Um, and I would hoped that six months later, I would have a different tune to sing for you, but I don't. And that's why this episode was really special to me because it was a conversation with someone who went through a dark time, a deep, 
dark time and came out on the other side with a renewed sense of hope and also too with a bigger, deeper understanding for what is possible, not just for her, but in general. And it was the kind of story that I needed to hear today because I realized something about myself in, I went through a period of time, just like what I'm going through right now, exactly 10 years ago, which I only came to that aha five seconds ago, that when I was 27 years old, I stopped dreaming because it came to be something that made me sad. It came to be something that made me feel hopeless because all of the things that I wanted seemed so out of reach, so impossible for me. So I just stopped doing it all together. Now, I'm not someone who believes in fate or who believes in destiny or miracles. I have a very practical, pragmatic approach to life. I believe in probability and we can unpack that at a later time. But I ultimately believe that you can put yourself in position through the work that you do to give yourself a higher chance of getting what you want. And that's the most amount of control that you have. But furthermore, there's nothing on the other side like luck or destiny that is controlling things for you. But the one thing that I do that I think definitely conflicts with that is for my entire life at 11-11, I have always said affirmations, something my mom instilled in me. And so when I see that time on the clock, I will spend that entire minute wishing for the same thing over and over again. And I've done that my entire life until I turned 27. And I realized that all the things that I was trying to bring into existence literally seemed impossible to me. And so every time 11-11 rolled around, instead of feeling like, yay, I get to make these wishes, I felt like, oh, I gotta remind myself how far I am from my goals and how impossible it feels that I will ever have the life that I want or find the version of me that I've been seeking. And recently I realized I got back to that place. Furthermore, the compromise that I've made with myself during my 11-11 dreaded moments of late have been, let me say something, so I'm going to wish for other people. And I do. So I wish for my husband. I wish for my daughter. I wish for my second baby. I wish for my family. I wish for my friends. But when it comes to me, I just don't feel like I have the energy. And that's what's really cool about Nina's story because... It's a time where she hyper-focused on herself and now is reaping the benefits of that focus. And I thought it was very poignant, given where we're at right now, in two ways. Both the fact that we're at the midpoint in the year. We are in June. So all of the visions you had for yourself for 2022, you might now feel overwhelmed by them, exhausted by them. And this might be the refresher that you need. Secondly, I feel like we are in a time of overcorrecting. I think a couple of years ago, it was all like self-love, do you, you are incredible, you're the best, you're a bad bitch. And now the tone on the internet is be realistic, be practical, see yourself for where you are, manage your expectations accordingly, don't dream too big. And in many cases, that self-love is an enemy to actual joy development, happiness, and progress. And I think that that's fucking wrong. Um, There is a meeting in the middle that has to happen. And I think in order for us to get there, we need to embrace stories of people who challenged the status quo and who broke the mold of what people said is possible right now. 
and who dared to love themselves despite the fact that we do live in a world where it is really hard to do that. And that's to me why Nina's story is so important right now because I know from my DMs that so many of you are at the place that she was at in 2020. And what I hope for you is Nina's 2022. So this story a rom-com without a partner is written, directed, and starring by Nina Parker. And if you don't know, Nina is an Emmy-nominated TV host and fashion designer with impeccable eyebrows. You might know Nina from her days at TMZ, to the reunions, to her work now on E! News and E! Nightly Pop. But what you might not know is Nina is a history maker. The Nina Parker collection is available now at Macy's, and this collection marks the first time in the company's 163-year history that they have partnered ever with a plus-size black woman to produce a line of clothing in-house. I love, and I can't say it enough, how much I needed to hear Nina's story because it's filled with so many moments just like this. I've always just had this like feeling of like, this is going to be mine. And, um, you know, some things come sooner than later, but I, the feeling never breaks. But, you know, I just want people to know that you don't have to accept less. And spe specifically to women who feel like I'm at this specific age, of a certain age, um, you don't have to settle. You don't have to accept less. So let's get into a rom-com without a partner starring Nina Parker. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I always save the pleasantries for the beginning. I'm so rude to the person until we start recording. And then I'm like, thank you. It's I an honor. It. I've been, you know, I, I, I've been on the timeline just seeing the clips. I'm like, when's she going to have me? Yes. When's she going to have me? And then you called. I don't like to ask people. I just like to manifest it. So I've been waiting for a minute. It's a tough podcast to have people on because... I want to have taboo, but illuminating conversations mm -hmm. around intimacy. So to ask somebody else to put themselves yeah. in that position is often difficult. And I said that to you before. I was like, it's, you know, it's like I'm an open book, but I'm not. It's a very weird, like, space I feel like I'm in because I think people think they know a lot about me, but there's so much that I still don't say. So we'll try and find the balance today. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm opening Listen. up for you, you know, <laughs> okay. in, a in a new way. But you push me back if you're like, <laughs> no, we're not going there. Because when we spoke really briefly, I was like mind blown by how transformative the past two years for you have been. Mm -hmm. And you're 42 now. Yeah. And so this is basically once you hit 40. Yeah. Because if we did this interview when you were 39, how yeah. different would the conversation have been? Vastly vastly different my life was in a different place when I was 39 when I even started the phone call with you it was like the last time that I knew mm -hmm. you had moved in with your partner yeah and I think you guys were engaged yeah we had like a quiet engagement like it wasn't anything I posted about but we had said we were gonna you know get married and then we ended up having problems and we both just stopped talking about it <laughs> <laughs> it was like you you don't ask don't tell <laughs> We love those engagements. Yes, it was like, we just go see how this goes because we might not even be together tomorrow, which ended up, you know, I ended up ending the relationship um, literally a month, less than a month after I turned 40. So you turned 40. Yes. Ended the relationship. Yes. And then something else huge happened. Yeah. The pandemic. Yes. So I ended the relationship a couple months before the pandemic happened. Um, not and, and thank God, because I don't think I would have ended it in the pandemic just because it was such an own, unknown territory. You know, having somebody with you would have been comforting, even if it was toxic. So let's talk about ending a relationship. Yeah. 
And now being on your own. Yeah. And the pandemic happens mm-hmm. and now you're really on your own. Yeah. What was that like? It was it was rough because I was used to someone being in the home with me. Um, you know, we had a dog, like I just kind of numbed out, watched TV and just, you know, working from home. And then, you know, I, I began doing therapy like twice a week. More than getting through a breakup, it became less about that and more about understanding why I made the choices I made in my life, not only in my relationships, but with work, with family, um, with myself. Like, why am I making these certain decisions? Why am I doing these things? Why am I, why do I seemingly get into this type of toxic cycle continuously? I had to really dig deep and think about that and, and really take accountability because usually when there's an end of a relationship, it's the blame game. It's like, it's this person's fault. They were toxic. I did all I could which do. Which in your case which, was easy to do because he the, did glaringly bad things. Yes, but repeatedly though, right? So I allowed repeated bad behavior for years instead of now someone who behaves in those ways would never even get my phone number. You, and it's not even shade. It's just facts. Like there are certain energies I don't even attract anymore because of where I'm at with how I feel about myself and how I love myself. And when you love yourself and you speak highly of yourself to yourself, you start to attract people who do the same thing. When you don't love yourself and you talk negatively about yourself, you also attract people who say those things. I think people will be shocked to hear that because you've been incredibly successful. You are incredibly beautiful. You are oh, someone that people you. admire. You have hundreds, millions of people who know your name. And so to hear that you didn't love yourself yeah. might sound surprising. Well, I thought that I did, you know, when I realized there were a lot of places where I didn't was in my decision-making because I realized I was trying to be validated by a lot of different places in my life. So I think if you would have asked me, you know, a few years ago, if I loved myself, of course I would have said yes. And I think that I did, but I think it was a toxic love that, you know, I think you can love yourself in a toxic way. Can you explain that? Like, what does it mean to love yourself toxically? Being in denial, you know, and in doing things, you know, are going to like harm you and emotionally, physically lying to yourself. I had like this mirror in my living room and during the pandemic, I really wasn't wearing no clothes. You know, I'm walking around naked or just in my underwear or whatever. And so I'd walk past this mirror to like go get a drink and I'd be like, oh God, like I pick myself apart every time I walk past this mirror. And finally one day I was like, well, what would happen if I just start saying like something nice? You know, like instead of being like, oh girl, like look at your stomach. You're like, okay, that ass is lifted. Like, you know, like what if I just hype myself like I hype my girls, you know? And I really started to do that. I really felt like I suffered from severe body dysmorphia. And it's so crazy because I started to see myself differently and I thought I was like losing weight. I was was like, dang, like what am I doing differently? And I wasn't. And I literally think I was like changing how I saw myself. And you know, there was like that fake it till you make it. And I kind of did that a little bit. Like, let me just fake positivity today. Let me just, you know, let me just believe this. Let me go sit by the pool and just feel something else. And it started to actually work. It really worked. And then I was like, a little bit of fake positivity for me became like, let me read this book then. And then it became deeper work. Do you think that it was all mindset that had to change or did you have to change a lot of behaviors, practices, relationships? Yeah, both. It was first the mindset that had to start. And then I had to put in the work because I think a lot of us get 
you know, geared up to change. Like you'll read something and be like, yeah, I'm about to, I read the four agreements. I'm ready for the world. And then it comes to apply it. And that's really the test, right? So it's like, do I have the willpower? And sometimes I didn't, but it really started. I started to like pick my boundaries better. If somebody wanted to hang out, I'd have to say, Nina, do you want to do this? Do you really want to hang out with this person? Do you really want to take on this project? Do you, I had to start, I had to be that elementary with myself at first. That's actually, yesterday I was asked this question of like, how do you know if you know yourself? And you know, it's always the simple questions that are the hardest to mm-hmm. answer. Cause you're like, how do I know, if yeah. I know myself? But I was like, I think it's when your yeses are really yeses and your mm-hmm. noes are really noes. Yep. Like when I said yes to something and I'm there, I'm like, oh, I actually really want to be yeah. here. And when I say no to something and then that thing happens and I missed out and I'm like, I'm not mad right. at all. Yeah. That wasn't I used to get me. FOMO so bad, you know, but I wouldn't even want to be at the place. I'm like, I don't even want to go to that. What is such a great aha for me and listening to this story from you is somebody asked me the other day about that. Like, oh, can someone else love you if you don't love yourself? That mm-hmm. age old yeah. debate. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like if you. I think so. If you need rice to live, but you don't know how to make rice, yeah. can you, in theory, find somebody else to sure. make rice for you? Sure. Absolutely. Sure. But that person leaves. Right. And now what? Right. Now this intrinsic thing mm-hmm. that you require to survive, mm-hmm. you don't know how to do. And then the next person comes along, you can't educate them how to do it because right. you don't know how to do it yourself. And then you become almost like a predator, right? Like you you, you out here lurking and seeking something to feel, feel this void. Because the ultimate goal is you want to be loved, but you're doing these things to get it that... Could be, you're ma- could, could be manipulative or could be whatever. Mm. And I, I, I did that, you know, as well. And, and also it's just so much pressure to put on somebody else to, to give you the validation that you need for yourself. It's not fair to say, you have to fill me up for me to feel whole. You need to be whole on your own. Absolutely. And then when that person isn't doing it the right way, right. but they're doing it, right. you're like, I don't know how to correct you. Right. So maybe I'm the problem. Right. Or I don't know how to fix the problem. I know I don't feel good, mm-hmm. but I have no idea what to do next. Right. So it sounds like you developed your own how to love me manual. Yes. Can I get the like um IKEA short pamphlet? <laughs> you know how IKEA when you get instructions, you yeah. get the long manual and then you get the little paper yeah. one that's like you're not gonna read the manual. Right. Fine. Here's the little short thing. Yeah. You what you learned through the pandemic and through that time yeah. when you learned how to love yourself. How do you love Nina? How do you love Nina? Listening through kindness, um, through patience, because I still I still sometimes have a short fuse and my defense mechanism is to just cut it and probably through humor. What about verbal affirmation? Because it's something that I know you did, you know, the letting go of the validation mm-hmm. was important, but then also giving that to yourself was important. Yeah, I like that. I'm more of an acts of service kind of girl, though, because you can't believe every compliment and you can't believe every criticism. Yes. So I'm kind of in this middle place mm-hmm. with those. So acts of service for me is is more imperative. When did you leave the house and yeah. start feeling like I am ready to be loved because I love myself enough? 2021, probably I got vaccinated and was like, I can be outside a little bit. <laughs> And I, and I, cause I did try to do the apps. The apps were never for me. Um, and so I didn't really meet people that way and didn't even trust to meet people that way. So I really was meeting people organically, like just being out or a friend would have a little something. And I would meet. I was, it was so crazy because before I felt like I would never meet anybody and I was in a different mentality, but then now it was like, every time I went out the house, I felt like I was meeting somebody. It was to the point where my best friend was like, where are you meeting these people? And I'll be like, girl, it was so random. I was just parking my car. Like, and I just parked next to this man and met him. So it was really, but I also told myself, 
I'm open to any possibility. And I, I think that every day before I go out, like I'm open to any possibility. I'm wherever this day takes me, I'm open to it. How many people did you have in rotation at your highest Ooh. point? <laughs> A lot. Um, not sleeping with all of them. At one point, maybe like eight or nine. Amazing. You know, but just and not sleeping with everybody, not going out with right. everybody, but I mean, speaking to listen, people. We're not here to, to judge. You know, it's an open you space. Know, but like, you know, it was a point where there was it was almost overwhelming. Like there was, and these were people who I decided that I wanted to continue to communicate, not including like just meeting someone out, you know, at, at an event and exchanging phone numbers and just deciding I can decide really quickly if this is somebody I even want to continue to talk to. Were they to. compartmentalized relationships? Like one person yeah, was for yeah. X, one person yeah. was for dinner, yeah. one person was to come to the club yes. with. It's cool because I feel like I'm meeting these really interesting humans and not all of it has to be one thing. And exactly. Yeah. I think that's important too. Cause like, I think my mindset changed when I turned 30, really, that I was like, not everybody that I meet has to be the one. Right. You can be the one person I go hiking with. Right. Maybe the <laughs> on Tuesday. Yes. But like I can find enjoyment in people for different reasons. And instead of being like completely goal oriented, like right. I need to get married, I need to get married. It's like, yeah. I want to enjoy myself and I want for that to continue. And then I'll assess relationships when I stop enjoying them. I'll try to troubleshoot yeah. once or twice. Yeah. And if we can't figure it out, it's yeah. all good. And and I've been able to really walk away from things that are for me pretty easily. I would say more than I've ever been in my whole entire life. And that includes friendships. That's like not just relationships, but when you're weeding out like who you want to be your partner, which ultimately my goal is to have a partner, you know, to have a, that, that person that I decide to spend my life with. Cause I do have cool things that happen and, you know, I travel and I have a great, you know, I have a great life that I do want to share with someone, someone with, but I'm not in a rush for that. Like I, I'm not in the past. I'll be like, I got to find him. I got to da, 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 da. And that's desperation is no longer there. Like I'm just here for this experience called life. And I really do believe when that right person comes will be the time they were supposed to come. Cause you've been a relationship person all before. I think you were in a yeah. long-term relationship previous yeah. to the last Like I had one. a college boyfriend for many, many years. Yes. Yeah. So this was your first, we talked about this, your first quote unquote whole phase happened yeah. at 40. Yeah, I had like whole moments. Right. Well, you know what we I mean. We had whole moments. We're not assigning hoe to sex. Absolutely. Yes. We're really we're saying, right. popping in to let you know that we're halfway through Nina's story. And let me tell you, the best is yet to come. I'm I'm not ashamed of those things. I I, I this wasn't my journey. 10 years ago or five years ago, I've evolved and found things that I like and enjoy. And if I find somebody that I want to do that with, then that's what I'm going to do. And in the end of this episode, I also share this with you about my current story. That's something that I still haven't been able to resolve yet. And I feel afraid because as I get closer to having the second kid, I'm afraid like she'll lose more of her mom. So let's bring this episode home right after this. You were just open to yes. meeting anybody Absolutely. and not saying no, saying yes to pleasure, but pleasure yes. in all forms. Yes. Why was that transformative, helpful? For me, you know, a lot of the men I was dating were not black. And for a really long time, it was important for me to have a black partner. And so most of these men were not black. And that wasn't by design. That was who was approaching me. There were, for the most part, for the last probably like year, most of the men who approached me have not been black men. And that's been okay. That's okay with me because I, I'm not trying to close this 
pull up, especially in Los Angeles. It's, you know, I'm like, open this up to everybody. You know what right. I mean? Equal opportunity lover. <laughs> so, you know, that's just not a requirement for me anymore. And and I've been able to have amazing conversations and experiences with men who are not black. And it's not a requirement. I'm not against it either. I want to ask two questions. I want to ask, why did that switch happen? And then I want to ask question about what happened after that switch happened. Yeah, I think initially the switch was, I'm, I'm tired. I've only dealt with black men. I'm tired. And I'm opening this up. And after that healing took place and I was no longer in a place where I was like mad at black men, because I will I'll be honest. I was after my first breakup, I was like, you know what? I'm, and I was seeing other girlfriends go through things. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. And then I, I got out of that place. And then I was just like, I'm open to everything. I would imagine too, that once you actually get really clear about what you need to feel loved, you realize that some of the things that you thought were important to you, you're like, right. oh, that yeah. actually. I think there's a mental thing and there's a stigma that nobody will understand you the same way. But I have to say, like I had, you know, interesting encounters and relationships with men. The guy that I fell in love with was a white man. And I was like, oh, like I didn't know I could have these types of feelings for someone who wasn't black. So that's really what opened me up, I think, is like I had that experience and was like, oh, I can have these real uh, feelings and emotions and feel understood by someone who is not a black man. And then I know so many black women who are like, I would date outside, yeah. but they don't approach me. Yeah. They don't talk to me. And I'm like, I wonder if it's an inside out choice or an yeah. outside in choice. I really do think it's an inside out choice because I've had girlfriends who say, well, I'm open, but there's so many asterisks involved. And that's not really being open. Being open is being open. No asterisks. Like, this is what I'm open to experiencing. Now, you can have an asterisk on how you want to be treated and how you... But if you have these... I always feel like if you have this, like, this is my type. This is what I want. I, I always feel like that limits you. And there are so many people that I connected with who were not technically a type that I dated before that were so dope. And I just decided I'm not putting these restrictions. I'm five, eight. I wasn't putting height restrictions, weight restrictions. I was just like, I'm open. Cause I don't want those restrictions on me. Cause I feel like I'm dope. And I don't want somebody to be like, well, I don't want to date her cause she five, eight, you know? So I was like, I got to take this off of other people. I tweeted something about this like years ago when I was in my whole phase where I said, I'm learning so much about Eros love, not being in love. And mm -hmm. Eros love is the romantic love in general. I just feel like, Connecting with all these various people, learning about myself, learning what I actually liked, learning what excited me. Yeah. In as much as we learn and grow a lot in right. relationships with one person, when you just open yourself up to all different energies and you don't have expectation, I feel like there's a lot of surprising lessons in that it's too. It's so true. And just learning about yourself and what you're capable of doing. And Did and you find yourself doing weird shit? Like, why am yeah. I throwing axes? <laughs> a little bit. Or doing things where I always said, like, I'd only do this with a boyfriend. <laughs> and you know, I'm going to ask like, what? <laughs> oh, shoot. Do I want to put this out there? Let me think. Um, <laughs> um, hmm. There were just certain things where I was like, I, you know, I only do this with my man. Oh boy. Do I want to say this? Uh, well, I'm going to go with anal for 500. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, we're adults, you know, it's something that I enjoy, um, which is hard to find, you know, girlfriends that are, you can talk to about it because a lot, it's a closed off topic. Um, but I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not about unintended. to wait. <laughs> Sphincters intended. I was, I was like, dude, if this is something I enjoy, am I going to, do I got to wait for my man? Like, I don't know when he's going to come. Like, 
maybe could it just be somebody I trust? And so, you know, I'm not going to be ashamed of there's things that I like and I enjoy. Also, too, reserving certain behaviors for our quote unquote men right. sometimes can be negative in both capacities because we put up with shit that we would only put up with from our totally. man. If I'm in a good space with you and yeah. you're in a good space with me, then we can exchange mutually. Exactly. And there was also that stigma of like, well, don't do I, am I giving everything away and not saving anything? But for me, it's like, you're evolving and growing. Exactly. And I don't, I, if, if someone feels like, oh, I'm getting everything from her, so I don't need to be in a relationship from, with her, then that's really not somebody I would want to grow with anyway. I'm, I'm not ashamed of those things. I, I've, I've, this wasn't my journey 10 years ago or five years ago. I've evolved and found things that I like and enjoy. And if I find somebody that I want to do that with, then that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm just kind of, I'm still dating. I'm meeting people as I, as I can when I go out and I'm open to, to meeting new people. There was this thing that you said that I want to talk about. Okay. And you're like, what? <laughs> be scared. No, not at all. <laughs> you said, I feel like I can get whoever I want. Yeah. I mean that in the sense of like, like, I don't feel like I can see, you know, Drake and be like, Drake is going to be mine. Why but, not? but maybe like, I just, what I mean by that is if I meet with someone that I feel like I, I, I've never had a connection that was one-sided. I've never had thought, like, I've never met someone and felt like I connected and I was off. Well, I loved it because I, I feel that way about my fucking self. <laughs> I mean, like I genuinely do. I feel like, and it was only actually recently that I started to realize I'm like, Oh, do people want somebody who's pregnant with a kid? Yeah, they do, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But I like, no, I'm like, why would I feel the need to reframe that? But I know that's because societally now, the definition of who's desirable, I'm no longer fitting within it. So that's where I was. I love that you said that because we're also coming out of a time right now where Kevin Samuels RIP, but like that brand of thinking where it's like, if you're over 35, mm-hmm. even if you're successful, yeah. you're a leftover woman. And he never bothered me. Like I know so many people, I obviously don't feel like he was very supportive of black women, but he, it, it I was in such a good place when he became popular. It just had nothing to do with my real life. And it really, when I started to love myself and I tracked all these different types of men, I was like, damn, like even I was like, oh, is he really, is he really DMing me? Like, you know, I just was genuinely shocked. And, and that's, that's my reality. And and that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to allow someone to tell me what my reality is when I see it and I live it. Cause it's interesting. Cause I think a lot of people who are in that thought space of like, get more realistic, they actually look at self love or the self love movement as a part of the problem. Yeah. Because they're like, you are delusional yeah. about who you are yeah. as, instead of being like, no, like, I, impro- I approach life with a sense of worthiness. Yeah. I, I have this thing on my phone. Um, I have a phone case that just says worthy on it. And it just like is a beautiful reminder. And I, I, ha- I just have no doubt in my mind of what I am capable of giving and receiving. And there's nobody that's going to shake that for me. And, and a lot of people talk based on their experiences. And a lot of people's experiences are limited and, and completely one-dimensional. And that's not my experience, nor will it ever be. And so when I see these things and I hear people talk like that, it, it, I never feel anger. I'm more probably feel more sorry for them that that's, that sucks, that, that, that life is that flat for you but my world is round mm-hmm. and that's just kind of where I'm at, but I'm in a, I'm not committed on purpose. Yes. I think it's the key difference. And we actually have this debate a lot about entering into relationships with a goal oriented mind mm-hmm. instead of a goal oriented outcome. Yes. Like I'm not dating you because I'm like, I want to see if you're the mm-hmm. one I'm dating because I want to find the one. Yeah. 
and that might not be you. Yeah. We can still date though. Yeah. A thousand percent. And like the people I'm dating right now and they know this, like I don't see a forever right now with anybody that I'm dating, but I, I see like a good, a good, honest time with people who respect me and I respect them and we enjoy each other's company. Can that evolve? Sure. Right now, I don't see that, and I'm able to, and I don't think I've ever been able to separate my feelings the way that I can now. In the past, it was like, if I'm dealing with you and I'm doing this, I'm falling in love. I, I'm so protective of who I love now that I'm not afraid of falling down that hill um, the way that I would would have been when I was younger. If you told 27-year-old me I wouldn't be married, I probably would have been like, oh, oh my God. And now I realize the level of happiness that I have right now exceeds any type of title on a relationship I'm I'm in such an amazing secure place with myself and I'm not judging myself for where I'm at I'm where I'm supposed to be do you deal with the external pressures of like people wanting your story to be at a certain place versus being proud that you're in a space that you are now where you're fucking happy not anymore I don't even allow that um I had somebody recently um text me and say well when are you getting married like where's the guy and I was like, I'm so disappointed with this exchange. We haven't talked in so long and I, there's so many things that I have going on that I'm proud of. It's, it's really sad to me that that's the first thing that you wanna discuss and ask me. And you know, she immediately was very apologetic and I don't think she meant any harm, but so many people see happiness tied up in having a partner. And I just don't see that anymore. I think you can be happy, but I don't think you need that to be happy, nor would I want that to you be the know. thing. Right, exactly. And I know. And so it's hard to express how happy I am to, to people because I feel like it's there's such a conformist ideal about what happiness means to be like, you know, a woman, especially a black woman and successful. But, you know, I'm no longer really in a place where I need to convince people either. Two last questions. One is kind of hard. So I give you a second to think about it. One probably come to mind easy. Who's going to play you in your movie? <laughs> And what is the log line of the film? I don't know. Maybe like Anjanae Ellis. Um, maybe she could play me. And the log line would be um, like from the color purple. Like I'm still here. <laughs> it's like I'm still here. Like every time I see that performance, I cry. But it's so true. It's like being black, being plus. No one wants you to love yourself. Like people get mad when you love yourself. So maybe the log line will be stay mad. <laughs> I'm still here. Stay mad. I'm still here. Stay mad. <laughs> All right. So to end this episode off, I'm just going to chat for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm really overwhelmed right now and I did not have the time to produce a full episode as I usually would. And so I'm doing what I can and meeting myself where I'm at, which is huge for me. And number two, because this is actually, interestingly, the end of an era for this podcast in a way that maybe I'll explain in the future, but there's going to be a changing of the guards and a shifting of how we do things and where we do things. What we do is going to be the exact same, but a certain partnership is coming to a close and a lot of things in my life I've kind of realized have needed to be in this state. So if you've been following this podcast, you know that I have the quote that I love by Steve Jobs, which is, you cannot connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards can you make sense of things. So in the meantime, you have to have faith, you have to have hope. 
And I realized months ago that I was making the mistake that I made years ago in that I kept making drastic changes in my life or doing big things and then expecting for it all to equal out to peace, to balance, to equilibrium, to some form of feeling like my feet are on the ground because I always feel like I'm running. I feel like I'm trying to play catch up. I'm behind when work, I'm behind with being a mom, I'm behind with being attentive to this pregnancy. I'm definitely uh, behind in terms of planning for the second baby. I'm behind in terms of being a good partner. Um, I'm behind in terms of being good to myself. I'm behind in terms of being a good student. Um, I'm just behind. And that's kind of the byproduct of where I'm at right now, wherein I'm doing a lot and that means I can't do everything that well but I'm also not ready to let go of any of the things that I'm doing. And in that stubbornness, I have to come to one of two conclusions. Either I'm just gonna accept the fact that right now, maybe for the next two years, my rom-com is not going to round out to a happily ever after. We're not going to see what's on the other side of all this work until I'm finished grad school, until I've had the second baby, until both babies are out of diapers, until we have adjusted to a new hire and we have a system here where I'm not needed so much to do so much. Um, but the thing is, I'm not there yet. And what I have a choice to do right now is get rid of some things and then try to pick it up later or keep performing at mediocrity in many areas of my life in order for in a couple of years, me to look back and be like, wow, that was shitty, but I'm glad that you did that for yourself. And that's my big aha right now, that I have to be okay with where things are at and find a new normal and a new level of joy, given the fact that I am taking on a lot and I don't plan on losing those things. So I might have to trade off some joy in the process. Is that depressing? But I know in a couple of years time, I'll be so, so grateful. And I actually remember that, you know, I remember saying that a while ago about myself in terms of when I put my first book out. So I started as a sex educator when I was 19 years old. And during that time, I failed a year of college. I disappointed my parents greatly, got in a lot of arguments with them, got kicked out of the house, um, was struggling financially, but that was because I was starting my career as a sex educator. And I knew, something inside of me knew that I had to keep going. And I often talked in interviews about how inspired I was by that version of myself who pushed through the shit, even though everything was pushing you in the opposite direction. But I just knew that the only way to the other side was through. And I remember saying like, I don't think I've ever gotten to that level again yet because everything since that point to some degree, especially once I turned 28 years old, um, everything since then has kind of made sense, right? Like people are like, yo, you do so much, but I'm like, it's easy to do so much because I love what I do and it flows and it works. Now people say, oh, you do so much. I'm like, fuck, I know. And it's shitty and hard. And I'm really proud of myself, even though it's not the inspiring, everything will turn out great story right now. I'm proud of myself for putting myself through the shit knowing that in two years from now or in a year and a half from now, I'm gonna be so grateful to this version of myself who sacrificed a lot. 
That's my rom-com right now. <laughs> and look, it's definitely not even close to being all doom and gloom. The most important things in my life, to me right now, and especially in this time, what I've realized, the relationship I have with my husband and the relationship I have with my kid, those two things are incredible. I genuinely feel as a result of the episode that I did with Jasmine um, that was called, I kind of hate my partner right now. I feel like as a result of that conversation, Jared and I have gotten to such an incredible place of knowing, of understanding, of perseverance together as a team. And it has been beautiful to be loved by that man and to love that man, especially of late, but in general. And that is such a huge win. I also love spending time with my daughter as she gets older. And that's making me crack up a little bit because I just wish I had, if there's one area that I'm like, you know, I can sacrifice not being as on the ball at work. I can sacrifice being kind of mediocre at school because we have such great communication between Jared and I there can be some sacrifices in terms of our intimate life that we both are just like on the same page of, and we both had the same goal and vision, um, even with friends or with everything else in life, that mediocrity or not being able to devote myself a hundred percent doesn't come with guilt. But when it comes to Ryu, that's something that I still haven't been able to resolve yet. And I feel afraid because as I get closer to having the second kid, which I definitely have to do an episode about this, um, I'm afraid like she'll lose more of her mom. And we love hanging out with each other. We love spending time with each other. We're really in our groove. We laugh a lot. Ryu and I laugh a lot. We play a lot. Um, we have a great time. She adores me. I adore her. It's like, we have a great, great, great relationship. And she is patient with me. And I love the fact that even if I don't see her all day, when I do see her, she embraces me, arms open. And I'm, anyways, I have a lot to work through in terms of managing how I'm going to make space to love and to care for and to give to a second child when space is the last thing that I have in my life right now. So that is where we're at. That's what I really wanted to share. This is the part where I wish we were in deeper communication on podcasts where I could read the comments to see where you're at in your rom-com story and what you would call this season of your life. What is the logline of your film? Who's going to star in your film? What's the story arc right now? So the only place that we can do that is through the rate and review section, either on Apple or Spotify. And I actually really hope that you do do that. You know, treat it as the comment section. Tell me about where you're at in your movie right now. And next week, I would joyfully love to read some of those out and also joyfully tell you about some of the changes you can expect on this podcast as we transition, not transform, um, into a different, something different. So we'll talk next week. Bye.
Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, Lovers and friends. I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Sham Boudram. This episode is also produced by Two West Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Isabel Galan, Shared Entertainment's Sam Locke, as well as Workhouse Media. Engineering is done by Peter Karam. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Shared Entertainment's Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher Podcasts. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.